The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. the two-man power trip of wrestling this is another great episode here of who is i'm your host jp john pause of course joining me the second man in the booth mr j himself the doctor michael p.s jargo jargo what's going on how you doing well you forgot the p h d at the end pause but you know it's okay we'll forgive you we'll forgive you it's it's new in the gimmick so we'll work with it um i i am fresh out of bed I, Paz told me the topic for this week, didn't give me what day and time. And so I get out of bed and I see a message from Paz. Hey, you ready to do this in like 15 minutes? And I was like, well, what are we doing? So yeah, man, ring of honor. Thankfully, you know, I've been following the product for a very, very long time. And it'll be nice to do a little bit of a retrospective here on what seems, you know, the, the final days, at least of this era of ring of honor. And of course, the third man in the booth, honor. I hardly knew her, Mr. HMG, Mr. TMPT, Mr. RBV, Rick. What's going on? How you doing today, sir? Well, you know, for uh, for this episode of Who Is, we always have great debate, but for this episode, there is no question. Who is back? Yes, it's me, it's me. It's that honor, the beat of the V, Richard Bronson Vickery. Pause, I like what you did there. Uh, P.S., Dr. P.S., over there, uh, pot smoking is what we got there. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. With... Rick, I know you said before we started you wanted to give an honorable mention. Very uh, poor, not poor, poor, or nice choice of words there. You know, a little, uh, little uh, pun there. But what's going on? What's the honorable well, I, mention? I know you love diving into your your endless list there, uh, your list of Jericho that you put together every time that we do one of these pods. But and I don't know if he was going to make anyone's list, and I wanted to get this out of the way in case somebody, in case you don't stick with us to the end. I hope you always do, but in case you don't. Uh, but yeah, I've been watching Tony Gentleman before we got on air here. Sunday night's Fight Network Classic ROH. And they go back and they show you throughout the entire run of the company some of the, the greatest matches, the greatest talents. And one of the staples that's always there is the gentleman counting the three, Todd Sinclair. Yeah, Todd Sinclair belongs on this list. Bobby Cruz belongs on this list. Kerry Silkin belongs on this list. Um, there, there are so many people that have been staples at Ring of Honor for decades that we're probably not going to talk about today because they're their office. I mean, even guys like, you know, BJ Whitmer, who was there forever and, and helped run, you know, the backstage aspects of things. 
there, there's a lot of people that made this machine go around other than the in-ring talent that we're going to talk about today. I'd say the, the unsung heroes of Ring of Honor, uh, and those are the people, as Jargo said, to make the world go round, make the ring go round. Uh, and I, you know, I just wanted to make sure that we recognize them, and I, I wanted everybody to tune in in with us uh, to recognize those names and, and show appreciation for what those types of people give to the world of professional wrestling. And they're the type of names that, unfortunately, I don't see moving on from Ring of Honor. You know, I mean, like we can talk about all this talent and, you know, all the talent that may end up in AEW or New Japan or WWE who got left out in the cold and had to go to Impact or MLW. It's those guys. It's it's Bobby Cruz. You know, I, I, I he's the guy I feel for. Todd Sinclair is a guy that I feel for. Even the announced team, Ian Riccoboni, uh, Caprice Coleman, when he would be in there. Um, even the voices of ROH, right? Like, as you look back throughout the years, they were a huge part of Ring of Honor. Like Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly belongs on this list. We're probably not going to talk about it. It's funny you mentioned those people kind of behind the scenes. And I know he's an in-ring. I don't know if we would really think of him as, you know, Mr. ROH. But someone I could see moving on is Delirious, maybe getting a job down there at the Performance Center. I think he'd be great in that atmosphere to help people transition. Absolutely. From, you know, that indie style to be that, that bridge from the indie style into the WWE style. A lot of people talk smack about Delirious and how they they don't like his booking. They haven't liked his booking over the course of the years. And I would counter that with there's been an awful lot of really good stuff that's happened in ROH underneath of his book. So, I mean, if you're going to give him all the flack, give him his props, too. Played it safe a little bit, though, if you think about it a lot of oh, times. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, it, he, he kept it rolling, too kept that position for longer than anybody else so i mean somebody's happy with him somewhere along the line obviously yeah absolutely so when we say mr roh obviously we're talking about this topic because it's pretty damn topical with the downfall quote unquote of ring of honor they will be ceasing operations as of final battle 2021 in december then supposedly starting up again in 2022 in april for supercard of honor we'll see if that happens or not. Well, that's kind of up for debate. Let's see if they sell the library or not. Joe Koff says, no, 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 no. He uh, just had an interview where he said he they definitely won't, and it won't be selling the, the name and the likeness. So he's saying they'll be back, but I feel like when you think about ROH, such a rich history, been around for 20 years, maybe surprising to some, but they have been, and they were the internet darling for a while. They were pretty much the only thing keeping me interested in wrestling for a while. I mean, my God, WWE... People always talk, oh, Ruthless Aggression there was great. My God, it was terrible. And, and like, it, when you lose Eddie and then, obviously, eventually Benoit, too, I mean, you just, to me, just was really kind of disinterested in the the where they were going. I mean, Batista's okay and Cena's okay and this and that, but it wasn't what I was used to or what I wanted. So Ring of Honor was giving me what I wanted and, and the great direction. So I had some great wrestling, went to a ton of ROH shows, so the first guy I thought of, I know we're going to kind of be all over the place and all over the map with this one, but I just want to throw out there Samoa Joe. When I first started getting to ROH, he was the man. He had a long title run. He was basically unbeatable. Kind of put ROH on the map. I know you had Xavier before him and low-key, but really, Joe, you know, put ROH on the map. He's got to be considered for Mr. ROH. I, I think he has to be considered for Mr. ROH, and I do have him on my short list as I was thinking through names in my head. 
but I also think of him almost more in an impact wrestling capacity. Like first thing that comes to mind for me, which kind of disqualifies him from being Mr. ROH. Like that run was incredible, but for a lot of us who didn't live in the Northeast, we had to go back. We had to rewatch it because ring of honor was still growing. They didn't have the syndicate television at that time. HD net wasn't necessarily there. And Joe left before like ring of honor became cool in the Midwest. And I think the first time I remember seeing Samoa Joe live was for impact wrestling. And then the run that he had through impact wrestling, like if, if this was a, who is Mr. Impact, Joe would be probably top three on that list for me as well. I think what's so, what's so unique with Joe and what he would represent to Ring of Honor, I think he would, you would really consider him as maybe that godfather where yeah. Ring of Honor is finding a direction. People are starting to notice it. And what's so great about Ring of Honor is you look at the different boom periods inside of professional wrestling and the different promotions that stood out. Ring of Honor comes about in a time where we're coming off of the Attitude Era. We're in ruthless aggression. You had ECW, which is completely rewriting the rules, changing the game uh, that we've never seen there before. WCW has their kind of thing where they're mimicking kind of everything that's working. They're pushing more towards this reality-based TNAs on the verge of breaking out there, obviously right inside of their name, everything around those, what we know in professional wrestling a little bit with the, you know, sports entertainment, ruthless aggression is more still about that crash TV and ring of honor redefines that they, they come back, they go back to more of a Southern style territorial feel. They're back to the basics. It's, it's a combat sport, a legitimate sports presentation so it's something completely different. And then you introduce somebody like Samoa Joe, and he's completely different than what we know of professional wrestlers at the time of how he looks and what the hell he can do and his charisma. And the guy just represents this entire, this entirely different, incredible package. And I think that's the perfect compliment to get the ball rolling for Ring of Honor. Now, with that, he sets the table for a lot of great names to come in and step up and help elevate the help, you know, the brand. To me, uh, being from the Northeast and obviously going to a ton of those shows, probably have a little different opinion because you go like, whoa, who's this guy? He's not your typical small indie guy. You know, he's 6'1", he's 285, he can do top rope drop kicks, he's athletic as hell, he's got these great submission holes. So I hold him in high regard. And me and, and my buddy used to go to all the shows. And we were like obsessed, like, oh, he's awesome. He's he's the next big thing. And I can't believe, you know. Uh, he's, you like, know. he's like your Samoa Bam Bam. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I know. I just, I loved him. I thought he was great, but like initially he's like the godfather. He's like the guy that really started off and started pushing them in the right direction where everyone started noticing them. And then, you know, then they work with all Japan then they work with Noah and eventually new Japan CMLL. I mean, he kind of started all that, that stuff and he made it a world champion, went over to England, um, fought uh, zebra kid over there. I mean, he then obviously went to, to Japan. I mean, he was all over the place. Were for, you um, there for Joe versus Kobashi pause? No, I wish I was there the following night for Joe and Homicide versus Kobashi and Loki. Or no, I'm sorry, Joe and Loki versus Homicide and Kobashi. I wish I was there. I couldn't get tickets for some reason. I'll not. I wonder why, right? Not for some reason. It was sold out in about two seconds. Um, I wish because sometimes I would go to New Yorker and we would just get GA. We'd be sitting up against the wall because you're literally like jam packed. There they sold it out like that. We couldn't even get in. It was so jam packed. 
if we were making a list of the top matches of you know 2000 to 2010 that might end up being in like the top two or three joe versus kabashi i love that totally match totally agree it's awesome absolutely love it uh, one of my favorite ROH matches, the tag match the next night is awesome too. Just because Kobashi's a god and it's awesome as hell right. that, that he's a part of it. But Sam, so damn cool. Another guy from that era, absolutely loved, thought of him immediately. Very long title run, had probably the best title run, maybe uh, in a while just in wrestling period, because I loved it so much. But Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, does he get anywhere on your list as far as Mr. ROH? Yes, but. Oh, oh, I feel like Brian Danielson is one of those names that if I was making this list, I would have a slash there and I would have Nigel McGinnis's name right next to him. Oh, because whoa, okay. I mean, and, and it's not, it's that feud. It's that program. It's that series of matches. Like Brian did all kinds of amazing stuff inside of ring of honor. Don't get me wrong with that. Nigel McGinnis feud that I think, think that might be the match where i actually sought out ring of honor like for the first time where I was, everybody was talking about brian danielson versus nigel mcginnis and i was like okay i, I clearly i have to see this wrestling match and, You're a little late to the party though that, oh I mean, well that's, that's it's the opinion. midwest bro all right all right you know I mean, yeah, if you're inside of that Philly bubble pause, yes. you know, yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful. But, you know, for the rest of us, you got to realize that, you know, three quarters of the country viewed Ring of Honor as PWG for years. You know, it was that cool little indie promotion that we never really got to see. Yeah, it was what you, you hear those rumblings, kind of like the early days of WCW. You might catch some things here. You might hear about these names coming up. Uh, obviously Joe is one of those attention getters, but a lot, and we go back to Jargo said, you learn more about Joe from the impact. And then you go watch a lot of that stuff because it's uh, then the you internet realize boom what too. he meant with it. And I have to I agree with Jargo on this in Midwest ring of honor. You had heard about some things, but you know, for me, and I'm sure it, it took you a little bit longer to get hip to the party where you're at is compared to I pause about something like OVW, which I was watching in the, or in, you know, the mid nineties. Uh, from their get-go because it was just our territory that was kind of catching on where these stars are coming out that uh but to jargo's point to pair nigel and, and brian together uh perfect couple and it was nigel that got me interested in ring of honor because he came out of this area heartland wrestling associations where he's cut his teeth going back you mentioned bj whitmer he had that connection there as he cut his teeth here in the Cincinnati area at the HWA and he got the hook up there. And you could see back then how special Nigel was and those two, what they did in ring of honor. I mean, arguably that early on great feud that they absolutely needed. If they needed a star like Joe, they needed a program like this. Nigel was, I mean, he held that thing for what? 300 something days, maybe more than that. Uh, yep. He was like one or two in title defenses at the time. And he went and he struggled through all those injuries, but even through that, that program there, that grows their bubble, grows their audience. And beyond just getting excited about Ring of Honor, you know the potential because they are a minor league system. You think about what can these two do together when they do go to that next level, when they do go to that next level. I mean, there was a lot of people there imagining those guys headlining WrestleManias uh, against one another. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for Nigel in, in that fashion. And, and Brian took everything he could, ran with it, and became one of the biggest stars of his time. 
Well, and the other thing that we have to do is, as we think about this, pause, you have to remember we didn't have Honor Club in 2003 um, or, or even, you know, like 2019. Like it, it wasn't really until the big internet boom where Ring of Honor really got all that traction there in the second half of the 2000s. Now, I, I know when we're talking about Mr. Ring of Honor, you were talking about the guy that helped define that company. When we look at Brian, Danielson is is he reached the highest heights of anyone in this conversation we're going to have? Maybe there might be one other guy I could think of, but I'm, definitely I'm, up there. I'm trying to think. I think so because I think at this point you have to say the pinnacle is winning the WWE Championship and the yeah, main event true. of WrestleMania and, and the Brian's, other guy did- Brian's the other guy the I'm thinking of did, did not that. do that. Yeah, the other guy I'm thinking of. And I, it's good to say, I mean, and to me, it's a game changer. And, and, that's, and it's just not that Brian did it. It's one of the greatest WrestleMania moments. Right. Of yeah. all time. Of all time. You know, just and, not in, in his and era. so over, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things. I mean, it, it's it's made fans. I mean, it's going to be remembered. It's going to be talked about of all time. And it, 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 if you just, you know, didn't put a name at the top of the resume, but just listed the accolades. You got to have Brian at the top of this, you know, the breakout game changers in all professional wrestling that we talk about is helping define or in this conversation for Mr. Ring of Honor. Yeah, because the only other one that would qualify would be Tyler Black. And I would not have Tyler Black on my who is Mr. Ring of Honor shortlist. Nope. I put him on my list, but as like a mention. Also Ring. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just not, not, on, not on the. the the main list but he was but he's even even at that height though that's why we're talking about him wasn't that game changer that that brian i don't know man because when we talk about the greatest moments in wrestlemania history i think that cash in on brock and roman i think that with him standing up at the top of the ramp with the wrestlemania sign behind him swinging the title i think that's gonna be right that was about a moment in a cash in i know but I'm, I'm saying with WWE storytelling was about him, but the WWE is not going to talk about Danielson anymore. You might see that Seth Rollins video for the next 15 years, and they're going to call it the greatest moment in WrestleMania. I was just, I was just talking, I was just talking I mean, about this morning on a locker room. Apparently he left on good terms. They were very impressed that he gave them everything he could out the door. And Hey, it's, it's wrestling. There's money to be made down that line. You're going to have it. I, I don't think Danielson ever goes back. Because I think Danielson's going to suffer some kind of a career-ending injury wrestling like a freaking well, lunatic. He, he could still go back there in some way. He, they can even wheel him out if they have to. But Yeah, if he ain't careful, that's well, going Since the... we are talking about Seth Rollins here in black, how we want to label him in this conversation. If WWE gets their hands on that library, if they do, we are going to have documentary after documentary about how Seth Rollins is the all-time greatest. He truly is Mr. Ring of Honor. Absolutely. They are going to manipulate that narrative to no end. And, and that, they're going to that tell you how be. Punk was the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> uh, the, the other one, and I, this is a guy, actually, I do. I would put him on my list. But Kevin Steen, um, that could be a big bargaining chip for his contract renegotiation if they do pick up that library. I could see that. So Danielson, as far as his title run, pretty damn impressive. Just if you think about it back then. And when you listen to old interviews like Gabe Sapolsky, it's funny. It's like, oh, I didn't know if he was going to be the guy or not. And then I put the belt on him and he was the guy. Like he was almost surprised, just like WB was almost surprised. Like, 
damn, this guy's freaking over. Like, he's the most popular guy on the roster. He's the best wrestler I have. Like, it was everything all working at once. Like, hell, he cuts a damn good promo. He tells some guy he's going to get his head kicked in, and then the crowd starts chanting it for months on end. So it's funny, like, the guy who's over, you don't expect it almost the same thing in WB. Gabe admitted it too. Hey, I didn't almost expect it either. 462-day title run. The longest title run, though, of course, was Samoa Joe, 645. The Nigel McGinnis title run was 545. I, knew it was an, I thought it was in a five. Yeah, so he had the most title defenses. So Danielson broke Joe's record of title defenses, but not days. And then McGinnis broke not only Danielson's record of days, um, he broke his title defense record, but couldn't reach the height of Samoa Joe. The longest running champ, though, was McGinnis with that awesome run. Man, he was awesome, but he almost hurt himself so much that he was wrestling yeah. injured he was getting the concussions he broke what his elbow or he tore his bicep then he tore his other bicep then he hurt his other elbow i mean he was having injury after injury all sacrificing it to be the best wrestler at that point in roh and really one of the best wrestlers in the world and just to have the best match on the card it's a damn shame that nigel mcginnis never got cleared to wrestle in the wwe yeah it's crazy B- both of those guys all they do over the course of their careers was get themselves over. Yep. It's absolutely insane. Except for an AEW where I feel like Danielson's having a bit of a struggle. I mean, it was a 50, 50 crowd for him and Kingston the other night. I was not expecting that. Well, I think, you know, that's, uh, that's credit to Kingston of getting himself. Oh, over. I, I, I give you that, but give- the fact that it wasn't, you know, louder for Brian, I, take is a little bit concerning for aew where, where was that that wasn't that up in kingston area but um Boston. another another point there for nigel mcginnis remember when he went to tna wrestling uh what was he desmond wolf yep. yep and bischoff introduces the the fan voting and it's gonna matter it's gonna mean something because he thought he was manipulating you know he had people you know if they were gonna cheer and vote for who they wanted to and they had him number one every week and they had to they had to dump that whole philosophy of using this fan vote for their contenders list because they wouldn't play to the narrative because they wanted at the time Wolf Nigel McGinnis. Yep. So another guy on my list, we were kind of mentioning him briefly, whether we realize it or not. Guy that could maybe match Danielson's star power overall. What about CM Punk, former Ring of Honor champion? Not for a very long time, but he was Ring of Honor champion. And he did have the summer of punk, which was nuts because he signs the WB contract on the Ring of Honor title. And me and my buddy were so obsessed with this. We wanted to see the title change. So we would literally follow them all over the place. Well, they're in New York. Oh, they're in friggin' Long Island. We had just crazy traffic over the summer in Long Island. It's nuts. Got to drive four plus hours to go see him. And you're like, oh, I bet Jay Lethal, who at this point was just a young puppy in the business. Right. But you're like, oh, I bet you Lethal because they can't have Punk Winnie's in WWE. Like, what, what's going to happen? So, I mean, that just kept going on. And I, we were, like, obsessed. Like, he's got to lose today. And then he beats Roderick Trump. He's got to lose now. And then he wins. Like, it was great. I what love the great, summer. What of punk. a great marketing hook! They, you got yeah. Paz yeah. and his boys go get a, a hippie van, the punk bus, and yeah. they're riding it around the Northeast, following this thing. That might be the hottest angle in Ring of Honor history. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, the just, was nuts for it, and it was so well done all the way around. Um, CM Punk's run in ROH doesn't get talked about nearly as much as I feel like it should in like the mass wrestling conversation and it gets talked about way more than it should instead of the ring of honor circle, you know, because like you said, it was really a short run. 
he wasn't there all that long and everybody knew like, yeah, he's passing through because at this time, like they had seen people come and go throughout ROH and it was like, yeah, punk ain't going to be here long. Like they just, it was like that hot double a baseball player that you get who comes up and like, he's hitting like 400 for about a month and a half. And you're like, yeah, he ain't going to be here long. They're moving him up. I mean, but you, you talk about, even if it is a short time, it's that impact. Like you got bonds in them. They're following them yeah. around. If you're talking about a baseball stadium, you're filling that minor league place every day and night, everywhere you're on the road, people want to be a part of it. And that help that helps grow the excitement. And so I think, you know, you absolutely have to consider punk, you know, in this conversation. And again, I'm also looking at, because it is such a, a, a small promotion, it is a, a leaping pad for bigger and better things. Absolutely. You, you got to make the most of your time while you're there, change the game while you're under that banner. But also, what do you what do you help do when you leave? And I think CM Punk right up there, I would put him and that would be in the argument as I just brought up with Danielson is which one was the biggest breakout star of that that reached the greatest heights. And we talked about Joe with that as well. Those those are the types of people when they do go to those bigger stages that you stop and say, I got to go check this out. Now, so when you go see that, now you're interested in what they still have going on. So they're continuing to still help grow that brand, even though, you know, they're two or three steps down the road. Summer of Punk 1 greater than Summer of Punk 2. Just I mean, it was, it was so hot, they realized that. They had to go try to recreate it. Yep. And, and there's a huge portion of fans out there that have no idea about the true Summer of Punk. Absolutely. But I, but I will say one of my favorite CM Punk matches still to this day, CM Punk versus John Cena, Money in the Bank 2011. Great match. Fantastic I don't know what it's doing with Ring of Honor, but uh, I agree. Great match. Well, it, just, it was when WWE tried to redo the Summer of Punk storyline. It was, right. it was and, really and again, all based so, in that program. So if, yeah. if you're at this time, you're a little bit of a smarter fan, but you, you know you don't go back, but you hear this is a recreation of something better. You go check that out. And then you say, hey, I wonder what else is going on in Ring of Honor. So you're continuing to grow that brand. The the summer of punk run, and then I would say the Jim Cornette versus Kevin Steen feud are probably like the two eras like on Honor Club that people are like, okay, I've heard about this for years. I have to go back and watch this. I, I, I would say the CM Punk thing and, and Jim Cornette versus Kevin Steen, probably the two like most retroactive hot angles in Ring of Honor history. Go lose some weight, comes back fatter. <laughs> I have uh, Kevin Steen on my list. I don't have him very high, but I do have him on my list. Um, he actually, to me, which is, I know you guys are going to think he's crazy, killed ROH for me when they did that angle. Not, really? believe, not believable. He's got an awful look. I'm not a fan of his matches. Even though he can have good matches, he's a decent promo. Just that killed ROH for me. Literally, I was just like, oh, man, I'm such a long fan of theirs. Literally, first show was 03 when I really started getting into them and really started following them and going to a ton of shows at that point. Even a little bit before that, I was kind of souring on them a bit, but still following them. When he won and was undefeated for a year, I was like, hell no. Hell no, I'm not interested in this shit anymore. Just it, he just doesn't do it for me. Get in shape. I mean, come on, man. And now he's got the excuse. He's got the uh, the arm tattoo, so now he doesn't even have to work out. Like, oh, come on, Steen, get in shape, buddy. Come on. You know, it, it's funny that we we sing Samoa Joe's praises for being a big guy that can move like that, and then we call Kevin Steen a fat piece of shit. Oh wait, no, that's Adam <laughs> Cole. Um, so Kevin Steen, like to me. 
I realized the Cornette thing was like, you know, the hottest thing that they did where Cornette suspends him and all the, the whole kit and caboodle, right? But to me, Which the best semi shoot, semi shoot. The best angle that I thought Steen ever did was the whole thing with Scum and Carino. I, the, the whole, I did like that. Yeah. The That's Scum storyline yeah. I thought was just magnificently done. And when we talk about, you know, the greatest feuds in Ring of Honor history, how do you not have Steen versus Generico on, on the very, very short list, right? I mean, El Generico does not belong on the who is Mr. Ring of Honor list, but he was he belongs on the same list as Cheeseburger, where everybody <laughs> in that crowd would cheer El Generico. Everybody loved El Generico, right? Like everybody was with El Generico. He might have been the most over, but he wasn't necessarily the greatest ROH superstar of all time until, you know, Steen beat the hell out of him multiple times. And then they had the ladder war. And, and that was awesome. Generico is always good for like, all right, we need a good match. You don't necessarily have to win the title or whatever, but pop right. the crowd, get them into it. He's always the guy they inserted. Even he, I remember when McGinnis was like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, oh, put him in there with Generico, and they would have an awesome match. Yeah. He was He's the Chicago guy. Cubs. He was the lovable loser of Ring yes. of Honor. Yep, exactly. So I also put Loki on my list just because of the history and being the first champion and everything else. Do you have Loki at all? I mean, does he get any credit? I know he comes back several times to Ring of Honor, and each time he ends up putting on great performances, whether it's against Austin Aries or against Kenta, having like a match of the year. I mean, um, you thought he was going to come back and probably give Samoa Joe the win back, but he doesn't <laughs> for whatever reason. So you always hear the story. He's a little bit of a malcontent backstage, or uh, he says not, but, you know, he had that little Sabu tendency, like, I'm not jabbing this fucking guy. He's going to have to, like, against Credible, not, I'm beating you 20 times before I lose to you once. Like, that kind of, like, weird thing with low-key. So, does he get any credit here, any sort of mention? Uh, I think he falls into a, a very elite group of tremendous flag bearers that, that really helped in their positions and, and set the table for a lot of these big key moments and players that we're talking about. I think low key might be the first guy of the internet dirt sheet era that people found out, like people don't like him backstage. Like, you know, like when it comes to the political game, um, low key might be the first person of the internet era to where people were like, yeah, don't like working with that guy that you like, you know, all the interviews and whatnot with all the different wrestling websites and whatnot. And I think that really, really hurts Loki when you look back historically at his place inside of Ring of Honor or Impact or his WWE run. Like it's the same story everywhere he goes. And I think even in the eyes of the fans, after you hear something like that long enough, you just start pushing them down the list. I think Austin Aries is in that category too. Isn't it kind of funny though that you know we're having this conversation about these those types of individuals. In a Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor conversation, Ring of Honor made a great deal of money being the early distributors of their shoot interviews. Right? Yeah. Funny enough, yeah. And, and they seemingly always go back to that kind of personality over the course of their history, including up until you know, like just in the last year with Roosh. Yeah, for sure. With that, it's funny too because low key, he was the first guy you really start to notice. Like, okay, he's being booked a little differently when he comes back. Like a draw, mm-hmm. twenty minute draw to open the show with right. Aries and stuff. You're like, oh, that's weird. And then he beats Aries when he, Aries is getting this push. 
when Aries like beat Danielson. So you're like, what the hell's going on with this guy? Then all of a sudden he only loses to Kenta. He doesn't put Joe over in a match. Like weird. Like uh, he loses to Kobashi in that tag match, but it's like weird. It's like, really take pinfalls or losses much so he was the guy you first started noticing like he's booked a little differently for whatever reason but you understood like he was super over and he was like the the first champion so he's one of the godfathers but definitely he was the first guy you start to notice like yeah he's booked differently can can you imagine the conversation of like you're you're laying out the low-key versus austin aries match and it comes to the finish could you imagine being the agent for that conversation which by, the, which, by the way, I have on my list, the only agent they had for many, many years, the first guy to walk out on Ring of Honor ever, former tag team champion, obviously started out as a referee, is why he's the first guy to ever walk out for ROH, H.C. Loke. He was the only uh, agent they had for years on years on end, an official capacity of an agent. So he probably was putting that together. I have him on my list a little bit low, but it's just funny. First guy in there, tag team champion, carnage crew, only agent they had for years. So just another guy to just kind of give some credit to. Just imagine the politics in a small promotion like that with those guys. Yep. You know, just crazy. What is that that where Aries learned it was from low key? Probably, you he know. Still, I mean, he probably saw how he how he dealt with the situation with him. And, and 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 I'm not even necessarily saying that either one of those guys is wrong in their approach, right? I mean, it's a very like you know old school kind of approach. Protect yourself, yeah. Protect your brand. And I wish there was a bit more of that that happened inside of a modern pro wrestling context like as much as people want to shit on charlotte flair right now and, and what's going on with her backstage at least she's trying to take some agency of her freaking character which is a hell of a lot more than i can say for a well, lot that's of that's a foreign today. concept for a lot of those people that right. were brought up inside strictly inside of a wwf environment uh i'll just real quick i'll pull the curtain back uh just on my level you know at the very bottom uh just getting it going in independent professional wrestling i get calls all the time on it rick you want to go get a drink i want to run ideas by you. i'll talk about maybe making a move with a certain talent maybe transitioning a championship i got amos up my ass telling me 12 reasons why he needs to be the champ for the next year <laughs> i'm not kidding you and then the num- and then the top contenders they're laying it out this is why you should give it to us it, right. i mean it's at every level and, it, I, and that, that excites me that people are thrilled that even you know, with us here at the PWA, that they, they take some pride and they want to be able to be known as a champion for their resume. Yep. And it, well, a lot of it is I tell them too. You know, that's why we went with the alliance team with something very generic like the NWA. Use us to go get booked. Take our belts to other shows if, if they want to have like another championship spotlight. I'm okay with that. And they see that. But yeah, they, they try to work. Yeah, even you know, even me, I, I go through that stuff. Well, as you bring up almost right. Um, I'm just going to tell him that he should probably watch his back because as we talk about ring of honor, it sounds like Shane Taylor is going to be out looking for some asses to kick. And if he keeps running his mouth, the notorious might have to come and shut it for him. Okay. Shane so, Taylor, Shane Taylor, one of ours at the PWA. <laughs> so Rick told me beforehand that Jargo is actually on his list for Mr. ROH. And I thought that was admirable. <laughs> 
Jargo said he put his favorite person in the world, Joe Coff, on the list as Mr. ROH. So interesting little you know sidebar there. But what about Gabe Sapolsky, the old booker who you know he had to deal with a lot of these indies? Did, although this is really a super indie, so a lot of indie talent. But ROH was basically the super indie of the day. What about Gabe holding it together, being a great booker back then? You know, when it comes to Gabe Sapolsky, over the course of the last twenty-five years. Has anybody had a cooler, more fun run than him to like look at his career on the outside? I mean, between ECW and then Ring of Honor and Evolve, like that's a pretty damn good run for Gabe. What about NXT? Well, it was a pretty good run for Gabe. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it, along those ways, you have a lot of a lot of thrills, a lot of highs. So I, I will agree with you on that sense, but he's probably had one of the most difficult. Yeah, heart wrenching and just mind boggling rides as well. Well, you mentioned Austin Aries. What about Aries? He's on my list. He's pretty high on my list. You know, he was a multiple time world champion. He's a tag champion, TV champion. I mean, he did it all in ROH and many different eras that he spanned. And man, if he didn't put on some of the best matches of those years, you'd be lying yourself. Danielson, yeah. Samoa Joe punk i mean he's had a bunch of awesome matches and he was there in like not a transition period but an era where you're like shit where's ring of honor gonna go from here with the whole our video scandal them losing it then they bring in carrie silken in then you know doug is still pretending to kind of you know be in charge and then obviously rf was still involved they had to get rid of him and the silken and gabe era continues or the silken era starts but with gabe as the booker continues you had to immediately create new stars because the fans were just going to check out and they did the generation next thing. And maybe he thought Shelly was a big thing, but Aries ended up being the big star out of all that. And his feud with Danielson was awesome. And then, you know, he goes on to be the champion. He has a great run. Then he has the, the punk match. Um, him beating Samoa Joe for the title is, is memorable as hell. I was there that night. The crowd was insane. The huge pop for Smojo finally losing the title after 645 days. Gabe was in the corner going nuts. You hear him yelling and screaming. But what about Aries? See on the list. I think the thing that really hurts Aries, like everything you just said is true. And I mean, Aries had some incredible matches and this is going to make it even a little bit more so, right? Like his big run in ROH was 04 to 07. But he signed with Impact in 05. So, I mean, you're really looking at a year of Austin Aries as an exclusive Ring of Honor talent, which is it's just crazy to think of how quick that run really really was and i think the thing that hurt aries by this time we had seen some people come and go through through roh right and aries it felt like bailed on roh at his first given opportunity and i think that some of the roh fans absolutely held that against him even on his returns to where so I don't think the returns were ever quite as hot as that initial run was if he would have been full time with Ring of Honor for you know three to five years. I think people would view him very, very differently. I think you know, obviously, incredible athlete, uh, can do some tremendous things inside of the ring. Uh, he has a strange charisma about him, but as Jarko said, he was one of the I think he was he was that individual that that hardcore base they, they saw right through. And they just were not going to buy into him at all with it. I remember Warrior Wrestling. It was it was after the All In weekend. Uh, myself and Rivera there. We were making the rounds, uh, the press pass rounds, and all that. 
And we asked Tessa something and she was working a table with Aries and he just immediately snapped and he, he like freaking went off on us. I mean, so I mean, you could just see that attitude in him. Oh, what's the name of your show? Hitting the marks. Oh, that makes sense. Bunch of marks. So we get two tables later. <laughs> we get two tables later and Brian Cage heard it. And he's like, don't sweat that shit. He's like, there's a, there's a, cause he was, he had his impact championships when he had the X division championship. He's like, there's a reason I'm not with the other impact champs. They're a bunch of pricks. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And that is kind of the rip on Aries. And I, I think it's strictly because he's a vegan. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Have you ever talked to Austin Aries? He'll be happy to tell you all about being a vegan and how you are a terrible person if you're not a vegan. And he is like the stereotype of why people hate vegans, like right off the bat. What about somebody that Rick mentioned before? He said, Mr. ROH. What about Roddy Strong? Does he make the list? Roddy makes the list simply because that was his nickname, right? Right. I mean, like, and you talk about commitment, though. I mean, how many years was he there? Like 13 years? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Roddy is one of those guys that was one of those consistent pillars. You knew he was always going to go out there and have a killer freaking match. The only thing with Roddy was for some reason, his personality just does not seem to click with people. And it never has. I mean, even in Undisputed Era, he was like that fourth guy. You know, it's just something just kind of like with Kenny King. Something about him just does not click with the audience. And I've never quite figured out what it is. And I don't think anybody else has either. Otherwise, I think he could have made a lot of money with Roderick Strong. Because in ring, it's hard to find anybody better over the course of the last couple of decades. And he fits so perfect into that style, as you said, Jar. You put him in any situation, he's going to go out there and absolutely deliver. Uh, I was talking about last night watching classic Ring of Honor. They got the the Wolves taking on Roddy and Christopher Daniels. It just blows the roof. And, you know, you're just throwing those two together. I mean, obviously, they're both, Daniels and Roddy, both, you know, great tag team wrestlers, uh, great performers all around. But there's always been there that's something that you can't explain maybe it's that it factor that seems to i don't want to say completely lacking but not where it should be to be that ultimate star and it continues to today you look at nxt and he's now that he's kind of the focal point with the diamond mine it it, that's struggling inside of itself yep so what about one of my favorites and he recently returned and won the tag title what about the former champion himself homicide i think coming out of ecw and going into kind of the ring of honor era in that philadelphia new york new jersey market there was a real thirst for some kind of extreme and homicide brought it I mean, Homicide felt dangerous. Homicide felt like he was the freaking new Jack of Ring of Honor, right? Like he didn't know what in the hell the guy well, was going to yeah. do. How, how dare he? He he won't go along with the code of honor, right? You know that was that was like the ultimate insult to spit in the face. Major of what this, this new establishment was all about. You know they they we were done with the extreme. We're we're done with the sports entertainment. We're getting back to actual pro wrestling combat sport. And then you have Homicide throwing that all to the wayside. It was great. It was uh, and, perfect. And, he, and it was he, the right guy at the right time yeah, in the right filled, place. He filled that thirst. Yep. For for violence, for the extreme. 
I agree. I thought he was awesome. I love this feud with Steve Carino, who we also put lower on my list, but yeah, he did a lot of backstage stuff. He did some commentary, had some awesome matches, had some awesome feuds, but I put Carino on there because I loved Homicide and Carino. Obviously, Carino had great matches with Brian Danielson and, and others as well, but Carino's on my list and Homicide's very high, very high up on my list. The commentary team of Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino was so freaking criminally underrated that might be my favorite commentary team of like the last 20 years they were just absolutely freaking fantastic especially when we were doing the mr wrestling 2 gimmick i mean that was just freaking priceless carino just getting not only himself but everybody else over was just amazing that it's steve carino that's what he does steve carino <laughs> so is Could Adam anybody Cole? go from babyface to heel better, faster than Steve Carino? No. I mean, because people love Steve Carino, but he could make you hate him in about two seconds. I love him. I thought he was great. And like you said for the scum thing was great for a little return. I mean, that was pretty cool. The BJ Whitmer feud is pretty cool. I mean, he did a lot of good stuff in ROH. Yeah, absolutely. What about Adam Cole, baby? When you think of the elite bullet club kind of era of Ring of Honor, Adam Cole was the face of Ring of Honor. Um, multiple time champion. He's just the absolute swarmiest dick on the face of the freaking planet. He's got the young bucks running with him. But Adam Cole was the face of the company when that company was getting really freaking hot. I'm not uh, sure that anybody did more like across the country for the popularity of Ring of Honor than Adam Cole did. Uh, I, that's where I would tend to disagree. Uh, and not necessarily a, a knock on Adam Cole. He's probably of his generation, one of the greatest workers. And I'm not talking technical aspect, bell to bell. I'm talking backstage. Yeah. I, I'm talking about the true essence of working in professional wrestling, seeing opportunities, seizing those opportunities and making the absolute best out of those things. You look at someone like Adam Cole, you're, you're talking about when the company is getting into this ex great hot streak, you got honor club breaking out. You got more conversation, more eyes on the product than probably ever before. The, the Sinclair era yeah but a lot of that is contributed because you've got to tie in there with his that you're bringing bullet club in yep. and this movement from the east is coming west and it's going to be this game changer it's going to you know evolve professional wrestling to the next level so Adam cole realizes hey i need to make sure i'm tight on this thing these guys aren't always here i need to be the face of this on this west why this thing is hot here and Adam, well he takes that from ring of honor and turns it into Signing with WWE for way over his head because they couldn't get those other people. They couldn't get the Bucks. They couldn't get Cody. They couldn't get Omega at that point. But Kenny's or not Kenny, but Cole's like, hey, I'll take that big deal. I'll go to your NXT. And then look what they were even, you know, rumored what they were going to look at to, to, say, to keep him on board just from going to AEW. Then he gets Khan to give him all this damn money. He yeah. is out there absolutely working. I want to give him mad props to that. And I'm not talking about everyone's, oh, they're not treating him right in the ring. The hell with that. This is a business about making money. And Adam Cole absolutely knows how to do that, baby. And and one of the things that I think it gets lost about Adam Cole, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, if it wasn't for Bullet Club, bullshit. 
because the kingdom was the hottest freaking thing in ring of honor there for a good period of time while he was well, on anywhere top. near that I'm, hey, I'm not doubting that cole would have figured out a way to make something work he he knows how to position yep. himself and make the absolute most of it is he high up there on the list i think he's probably top five just because of his significance to the company during kind of their national expansion inside of the Sinclair era. Three title runs too. Well, okay. Let's just say for the sake of argument that things were a little bit different. If Matt Taven is put into that role as the leader of the bullet club in the U S we very easily could be talking about Matt Taven in that three world championship run conversation too. See on your list. Unfortunately, no. Um, and, 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 and I, I say, unfortunately, because I think I'm higher on Matt Taven than most people are. But when we look back on ring of honor kind of post-mortem and we do the autopsy, Unfortunately, the, the the moment that killed Ring of Honor, as far as I'm concerned, this era of Ring of Honor is Matt Taven when he won the championship inside of Madison Square Garden. It should have been Marty Skrull, but what everybody was talking about coming out of that show was what the hell is Ring of Honor doing? Why would you put your championship on Matt Taven? Now, in full disclosure, I am a big Matt Taven fan, and I thought it was the right move. I thought it was absolutely Matt Taven's time to win the ROH World Heavyweight Championship, but I think looking back on it now, we can all firmly say they should have put the title on Marty. You're exactly right. That's really when a lot of people just said, okay, I'm out. Uh, you know, I'm turning away from this thing. I guess I would put that on a on a on a short list of those moments when you start questioning the direction of this company. What about a guy we were talking about before? Really, Mister ROH, according to the current advertising. What about Jay Lethal? Where does he land? Jay Lethal is the first name that I put on my list. Um, given his run, his tenure, what he has done inside of Ring of Honor, I am really hard pressed, outside of maybe one guy that we haven't discussed yet, to think of anybody that is more ring of honor than Jay lethal i think when we when we bring up ring of honor five years from now Jay lethal is still going to be the first name that comes to mind he, he was just such a staple inside of that company for so long at the top of the card we watched him we went on that journey right where we saw a young boy Jay lethal kind of come in and he lose a whole bunch of matches and he kept getting better and kept getting better and kept getting better until you know he's walking around with both freaking titles and truth martini and he, i mean the house of truth and that Jay lethal run through ring of honor is really really tough to beat when you get into ticket sales national tv exposure syndicate television i mean jay lethal was putting butts in seats because he was such a prick especially alongside that annoying ass truth martini and you just wanted to see somebody beat his ass until you know he's running around with both those titles for so long that now people respect him and he's officially turned babyface and i it's it's really really hard for me to come up with anybody that is screams more Ring of Honor than Jay Lethal. Uh, I it, it perfectly said there, Jargo. I think you just, maybe just try to add a little bit to that 
again, when we're talking about growth and helping that brand, Jay Lethal really did it without the outside influence of like a bullet club. He did it without having to go somewhere else. I mean, he did it inside the bubble. He did it organically there. And I think that's the greatest compliment. He did have the impact run, but then he had to rebuild himself in ROH. I was was almost going to say, yeah, what we knew of Jay Lethal, and not to to downplay what he brought to the table at, at TNA Impact Wrestling, uh, but it was a reinvention to get him establishes not just a heavyweight cha- a world heavyweight champion caliber, but a face of a whole promotion. Not a comedy wrestler. Yeah, I mean that's that's incredibly hard to do to go there, and especially when you're going. I would say it's a lot easier to be in a comedy spot and impact and go and and reinvent yourself in a WWF because you have a whole different audience. You have this broader audience where it's going to be so much more difficult to go to that smaller bubble of diehards that have trouble letting go of that past for getting what you've done and for him to go there and reinvent himself and, and just recapture and evoke all that emotion out of that fan base. That's what's remarkable. And then in doing so, he brought some fans back. He brought new fans in. That's the greatest compliment there with, with Mr. Lethal. Boz, you were there. I mean, how, how was the temperature of the room when Jay Lethal came back from Impact Wrestling? They loved it. It was like the homecoming king or whatever, He, you know, returning. I think he was over like Rover. They loved that, though. It's like, um, I don't know, maybe not with Aries. Like, he returns. It was like kind of like 50-50 mm-hmm. whether they liked it. But for whatever reason, Lethal, I felt they thought he was like the homegrown guy. He started his hydros in Special K very, right. very early on there. So they felt like the homegrown boy was coming home. Uh, Pause. It's funny you said uh, the king. How would you guys feel if the uh, the the macho king Jay Lethal went to the WWF and took on King Xavier? I would Black love it. Machizo versus Xavier I think would actually be pretty good. I feel like AEW's already called him. I, feel, I just have that feeling that he might be on his way there. I just hope that we don't get the uh, Black Machismo nerve hold. What about uh, the last guy I have really on my list here? I mean, maybe his brother could be thrown in there too, but what about Jay Briscoe? When I was talking about there might be one other guy that's a, a, a bit more, you know, tried and true. Um, I'm not sure that the Briscoes can go to another company. Um, I, I know they've done a couple GCW spots yeah. and whatnot, but I'm not sure they know how to look for work. Uh, <laughs> because they have been at Ring of Honor literally since the beginning. Years, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if they know how the pro wrestling business works outside of ring of honor. Um, Jay Briscoe in particular is one of the mo- most legit terrifying men that I've ever seen in my life. He, I mean, they, what you see is what you get with the Briscoes, right? Like you get a couple chicken farmers from Delaware that are going to go out there and beat your ass. That's the gimmick. And it works. It's authentic. It's legit. And, Mark is a little bit more like I can go comedy. I can go serious, but I like him better as part of the tag team. Jay Briscoe's singles run when he won that ROH world title. I felt like he was the best pro wrestler in the world at the time, even though he didn't get any of that credit. I felt like he was the best pro wrestler in the world at the time. I love that. Um, got me back into Ring of Honor. I loved it. It was so freaking good. And he was so freaking legit. And then, they just put him back together with Mark and kind of let him go roughshod as the Briscoes again. And we never really got that kind of follow-up run out of Jay as a single star. 
but I feel like Jay Briscoe, Mark or not, could just show up in AEW tomorrow. And, you know, if he wanted to take that title from Kenny Omega, he could. If he wanted to beat up John Moxley, he could. If he wanted to take out Chris Jericho, he could. Like, I, I just feel like Jay Briscoe is one of the most authentic people in a phony business that I've ever seen. Yeah, I think Love that's him. a compliment. Obviously, Jay gets the edge there, what he's been able to accomplish. He, he's built a little more for it, but I don't think he – we don't appreciate that without Mark. So, to me, they have to go together. They are a pair. And Jargo describes them perfect, paints the, the perfect portrait, and it represents Ring of Honor. It's gritty. Yeah. It's different. It's not supposed to work, but it does. And it did for so long. And those guys were there from the get-go. You want to talk shit about us being in smoky bingo halls? How about I put my boot up your ass and then you can keep on talking? That's Jay Briscoe. <laughs> Love that he ended the the Kevin Steen range. That was great. Kind of sucked that he got hurt. Then you get that tournament. So Adam Cole wins the title. Um, but yeah. it's funny that Michael Elgin has all his issues whether they be travel or otherwise and they have to give briscoe the title again and then of course he ends up losing it to lethal but to me it's like man i wish they would have just ran with him just gave him the ball and ran with him yeah and actually i I don't even know i know he was injured but i think there was some contract issues too at one point which was odd because he wasn't going anywhere else because like you said he never really cared to go anywhere else well, you ain't going to have a bunch of chickens pecking around up in connecticut and you ain't going to see him down in jacksonville i mean where where are they going to go uh, they're perfectly suited for it. I hope they're not done because hey, if you ask me current dream matches, eight out of the ten are going to involve the Briscoes. They have for many, many years. Absolute two of my favorites inside of this business. And it's one of those things when you look at the value and how good someone is, can, can you plug them into multiple eras? I can't picture an era where the Briscoes don't work. I, uh, I, I, I have this pitch. Right. Cause I, I, I feel like, you know, inside of AEW, everybody, you know, does their little factions and whatnot. Um, if CM Punk were going to put together like a, a stable, give me CM Punk, Brody King is his heater, and the Briscoes behind him. Do that up. I will watch that all day. Not yeah, bad I mean, at all. You, you put the Briscoes anywhere, I, I'm down. Uh, and yeah. can, you, can you believe that Jay Briscoe is only 37 years old? Like you, you feel like that dude should be like going on fifty. He's been around for so long, but well, he's only thirty-seven. Yeah, you're wrestling for twenty years, really twenty-one. Tw- you know that long, it's crazy. <laughs> now, now you got me thinking. One of my other dream matches. I wonder how much it would possible to put you on this with your contacts. Uh, find out how much it costs for me to uh, to book the Briscoes. All right, the Briscoes and the Outrunners. How about that one? <laughs> okay, I mean, we'll find if, out. if the Briscoes go to All Elite Wrestling. Think of some of those freaking matches that you're gonna have. Yeah, I Briscoe's mean, Bucks, Briscoes, FTR, Briscoes, Lucha Brothers. I mean, there's some really Briscoes versus LAX. Oh yeah, yep. Um, uh, hell, I mean, just not even the, the traditional. Year. Not even the traditional uh, Briscoes and Mox and Kingston. Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Sting and Darby. Oh God. <laughs> uh the only other guy but, I had hey, on my list Jay Briscoe just, just, and Sting in a ring together. I I will pay to see that. The, the Briscoe's just beating up MJF would be first in anybody. Right? Anybody the only other the guy I, uh, I had on my list was Christopher Daniels, just to give him a shout CD. Out. 
I think he's one of those one of those great is you know we were talking about with like uh, homicide or Loki, just just great flag bears that's that put the everything in place so that we can talk about these other individuals. I was just happy that Ring of Honor actually gave him a run with the ROH World Title, even if it wasn't a very good run with the ROH World Title. The Christopher Daniels babyface chase to win the ROH title to get that gold watch from ROH uh, was one of the coolest things in wrestling for a very long time. Because everybody wanted to see him win that belt, and nobody thought that they were going to give it to him. So who is Jargo? Who is Mr. ROH? I got to go with the first name that came to mind, and that's Jay Lethal. But I will put Jay Briscoe at a 1B right behind him. Wow, okay. Well, I'm going to go with what you, you work together. You're a pair. That was my first name. I, I couldn't do just one, mister. They're a duo, and it's what? the Briscoes. What? Come, Rick, come on. Well, I can't, I can't acknowledge both, man. They're brothers. They're blood. Steal my thunder here, Rick. You oh. bastard. Um, <laughs> Jay Lethal I had up on my list. Danielson, for sure. Just so I love him and that run there. Samoa Joe, very high up on my list. Actually, Joe and Lethal at first were like my first two thoughts just because I was thinking of he, Lethal, literally Mr. ROH, and then um, Samoa Joe just because he's kind of like the godfather. Mm-hmm. Then I was thinking Danielson. I was thinking Homicide. Chris Daniels thrown in there, CM Punk thrown in there, but I kept rethinking, even though it's who is, should be one person. I kept thinking, God damn, it's the Briscoe brothers. They've been there the longest. Two title reigns, 10 tag title reigns, plus more than that, actually. Uh, to me, I don't know. I guess maybe me and Rick are on the same page here, but maybe that's unfair, but I got to go with the Briscoe brothers. When you put this out, how many people do you think are their first thought is going to be the Briscoes? A lot, I would hope. You think uh, so? I, I, well, I think. Well, I think it's one you got to talk yourself into. You got to like know, think back right. on the whole career I, and the story. And I, I, I don't think they're the first ones that come to mind, but they're probably the correct answer. Well, I think it's just a simple case of when we say Mister, you're immediately thinking one person. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right, but let's head towards the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon. Patreon.com slash TMPT Empire. Rick, what do you got? Right, we'll keep it short and sweet this week. Uh Hameen Media Group, big move. You want to pick up your Monday locker room, your Friday locker room, all your reviews, all that great content. Uh channelattitude.com. Keep up with me, michaeljargo.com, at markmedia.com. New episodes of The Blow-Off and Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, available now. Nice. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jargo. Thank you, Rick. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for an edition of Who Is? See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.